Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me on Jen Taylor Rerouting. My goal is that every guest becomes a friend and I feel truly blessed to know the people that I've interviewed. If you want to know more information about me from being a guest on this show to my virtual assistant services for podcasters, or perhaps you want to be a published author, I have coaching and ghostwriting services for that. You can find everything that you want to know on jentaylor.net. Remember to give a shout out, share, like, Give me some feedback on all of my interviews. I'm happy to join in on the conversation with you. Have a great day. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Natalie Epps. Natalie, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jen. How are you? I'm awesome. This is great. We're three hours apart, and it's Saturday, and uh, I don't usually do interviews on Saturday, but I really wanted this story to get out, even though it'll come out on a Tuesday. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I just got out of the shower. And when I talked to my coach, I told her my ideal job, I don't have to wear pants. And so here we are. Okay. Yeah. I'm in my bathroom. So um, you've reached it. I have reached This is the pinnacle. You're here. Right? So people can find you on natalieepps.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, it's E P P S. Natalie spelled not weird. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> it's just a normal spelling. And you have a pretty incredible story. But I want to start with you growing up because you lived in Ohio all your life. My oldest daughter, who's almost 26, decided that the college of her dreams was Bowling Green. Oh, okay. <laughs> and nice. she came, okay, she came from Reno, and I didn't think it was a great idea, but I encouraged it. And two weeks in, she called me crying, and she's like, they have tractor pulls here. And, <laughs> <laughs> and winter. <laughs> and, and worse winter than we have. Yes. So um, anyway, she lasted a semester, but uh, that, that was my only experience with Ohio. So tell me about growing up in Ohio, where and what that was like, and parents and siblings and all that stuff. Oh, sure. So, yeah, um, born and raised in pretty much in Columbus, Ohio, right around it. Um, I am the oldest of four siblings. Um, I was kind of like the built-in babysitter. I have like a tribe of teenagers and a little one. Um, I was born six years before the rest of my siblings. So, um, you know, my parents never paid for a babysitter probably a day in their life because I was always the built-in one. So it wasn't like, what are you doing Friday? It was like, hey, we're going out Friday. So you're staying home with the three little guys. And um, so I have uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, they're, you know, they're great. And it's, it's really fun being an older, older sibling. And maybe some of your kids can relate with this. It's like, you almost get to skip that like bratty older sibling and you kind of get to be like almost like another parent, but like a cool parent where they can call you in the middle of the night they can let you know when they need you to come get them from somewhere um so it's always a pretty cool relationship I have with them um like I said I just grew up in Central Ohio um went to a couple different colleges you said your daughter lasted a semester at Bowling Green um I started out at Otterbein which is another private just smaller private college in, in Ohio and then went over to Ohio State. Um, so I am, for better or worse, I'm a, a, I believe Scarlet and Gray. I love the Buckeyes and all things college football. So that might be my fatal flaw. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so I grew up there. And uh, my parents both, um, um, both lived in the same house. I had a really good, um, a really good, really interesting upbringing with them. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I guess I should say about five years ago, I lost my dad. So now my, my family unit has evolved. Um, I, I'm married now. I have two daughters, um, two and three. So we are in the midst of insanity right now. Um, an amazing husband, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully. Um, yeah. And, and so that's kind of my life here. I, I still work in corporate America. I have a very, very full-time job with a, a financial institution around here. Um, and just recently published a book and probably the last two years have really been blogging and writing. 
which is what me to meet you and some other really amazing people and just kind of fell into that journey just because life because life happens. And so thankfully there's outlets where we can, um, where we can, we can talk about it. So, so yes, that's how I've gotten to where I'm at now sitting with you. I think it's exciting. Social media can be so exciting because I've never met you, but I've met you online. And a lot of the relationships are like that because we're still striving for connection. And I always think, well, people in the bank or in Starbucks should just look up from their phone if they really want to connect. But sometimes we need a different type of connection with people who get us. And not always the people that are right around us get us the same way. And we also have a lot of resources. So I love that. So I remember two and three-year-old kids. And (laughs) so tell me, you had a pretty idyllic upbringing, nothing outrageous or exciting. Tell me about your meeting your husband. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I met my husband, oh gosh, I don't even know how long ago it was now. Uh, we've known each other for over a decade. Uh, we've been married for five years. Um, I met him at my church. I was at Ohio State, like I was telling you. Um, my parents did start going through just some real relational things that parents go through. And um, uh, I was just having a hard time dealing with it. And um, just all the other things that that leads to when your parents are so consumed with, you know, just their own things for all the right reasons. They're really just trying to take care of their marriage and their own well-being. Um, not really having that connection that I really wanted to have with my parents. Um, so uh, I, I ended up finding a church close to, pretty close to Ohio State and um, really just started uh, attending there. Um, it was just wonderful just to have a sense of community um, and just really helped just my heart just really just helped the, the issues of my heart to really start um, to find some healing. Um, the first Sunday I was there, however, uh, I had sat down and I tried to sit like um, like as far against the wall and to the back as I could get. Like, please, like <laughs> nobody look at me. Like, let's just pretend I'm not here. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, you know. And so I'm just sitting there and you enjoying the service and they're having some worship going on and. Um, and I'm standing there and I'm looking up at the stage and there's this extremely attractive guitar player playing on the worship team. And so I'm like, you know, I know I'm here at church, <laughs> um, but that guy's really handsome. And um, uh, so, I, you know, after, after service, he was around the same age as I was. So some people had come to introduce themselves and he came over and said, hi, my name's Noah. And I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. So that was really all that was. I went back to my apartment. I was living in downtown in Columbus with some girlfriends. And um, one, of my, one of my other girlfriends at the time, um, you know, was like, okay, so how was it? Like, how was this whole church thing? Um, I was like, it was really good. And uh, so we're talking about it. And she's like, so like, are there any attractive guys there? Because I mean, come on, like we're in the age, right? And uh, I was like, yeah, there's this really attractive guy named Noah. Well, you know, the story goes, on or a friendship developed. His name is actually Jonah. Um, for whatever reason, I thought he was Noah for a while. Um, but That's Jonah, awesome. so yeah, we met. We were friends awesome. for, I know, I, I know. Like, sorry, but I was just blinded by your attractiveness. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just playing hard to get, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Noah, Jonah, whatever. Uh. Um, but, but it was really cool. He had just moved from Texas. So he was a transplant. I really kind of felt like a transplant because I was really kind of leaving some old things behind and coming into some new things. Um, so we just had this uh, really great friendship. Um, we did some campus ministry for a while together. Um, yeah, and our, our relationship really evolved. We went on different trips together, ministry trips to France and Australia, um, just different traveling around that we got to do. I'm like, man, like, this is, this is, this is someone I'm like, I've ever met. Like I really could share my life with this guy. And, um, yeah, so, so we, we dated for a while. Um, like I said, we got married five years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, I wanted to, uh, if you wanted me to, I wanted to tell you our engagement story. I want to hear it. I want to hear the engagement story. Yeah. And I, and yeah, so it was really fun. So like I said, we knew each other for a while. We dated for a while. And, you know, it's kind of like that, like, what are you waiting for kind of thing, right? Because I'm like, we are, I was 27 when I got married. I'm like, okay, come on, let's get on with it. Um, we could tell we're in that direction. And it was my birthday weekend. 
And I was like, I was just like fully convinced, like, this is it. Like it's happening on my birthday. Um, he came and picked me up. We went out to my parents' house to have dinner. We'd already, I mean, we'd already been looking at wedding venues at this point in time. Um, uh, cause we knew that's where we were going. Um, so anyways, we went out, we were at my parents' house. We had dinner. We, um, we're like, let's go into downtown Granville's where we're at. Um, let's go get some ice cream because my birthday's in June. Um, let's go see, uh, the place that we're going to get married at, you know, or, or I guess we didn't know then, you know, we're getting married here, but it was somewhere we were looking at. So we went in, we had ice cream and like the whole time I'm thinking like, this is so romantic. Like, I can't wait till he proposes like on the way there, like we stopped at Starbucks and he was like, I have to tell you, I forgot your present. I'm really sorry. And like, I was so convinced I was like, or it's in your pocket. Like I was completely convinced it was like, this was happening. So we get ice cream. We go out to the venue, like the sun setting. We're standing there overlooking like fields and like the sun and trees. And I'm like, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And you know, he's telling me how much he loves me and can't wait till we get to be married. And we're standing there and like, we see this little car, like pulling up the drive and he's like, all right, well, I guess I should get going back to your parents' house. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, I'm like waiting for you to get down on your knee and like, you want to go back to my parents' house? So like, went back to my parents' house. Needless to say, I did this to myself and I was completely devastated. So, you know, we go back to my parents' house. He's like getting the hint, like the more silent I'm becoming, you know? We get back to my parents' house. We drive back to Columbus and he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you didn't propose. Why didn't you propose? And he's like, oh my gosh, Natalie, are you serious? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, I have a plan. Do you believe I have a plan? And I was like, I guess I believe you have a plan. Just tell me you're planning something. So anyways, long story short, the next day I'm leaving with my dad and my little sister to go on a surprise trip for her to New York. And he's like, can I please come pick you up and get you coffee? Cause he feels terrible. Like mind you, he ended up bringing me my birthday present and it was a bridal magazine and a, a book on politics. So like not, not only did I not get an engagement ring, I got a magazine and a book on politics for my birthday. So I'm like, I'm fit. And so he picks me up. Let me please take you to coffee. He picks me up for coffee. I'm going to drive you guys to the airport. He drives me and my dad and my sister to the airport. We think we're surprising her. She doesn't even know we're flying. She's never flown before. He drops us off. We leave. We're having like a great time in New York. Um, we're traveling around the city, um, just seeing some different sites. And uh, we were staying at a hotel that overlooked uh, the memorial, the 9-11 memorial. At the time, it was just kind of being built. So it's kind of like a site we overlooked. I had a restaurant on top of it. And um, my, after we were out sightseeing, my dad said, well, let's go. I actually got, um, I got us a reservation at this restaurant on top of the hotel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Because um, it was supposed to be like, uh, it was supposed to be reserved for a film crew that night. So we're like, okay, so my sister are getting ready, you know, and um, we go up to the, we go up to the restaurant and um, we like walk in and it was almost like they knew us. Like no one even said anything to us. Like somebody just like takes us. Like I always tell Jonah, like God made me stupid for you just for that day. Cause you know, women we're on it. We're investigators. We, we pick up everything. So I'm like walking past it and we're walking through the restaurant out to this like beautiful balcony overlooking the city. And I'm, and it like, it's roped off, you know, like reserved for film, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, they're letting us sit out here. Like there are little candles on all the tables. They're like, yeah, no one's here yet. You can have dinner here. So we go and sit down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, I can't even believe I was this oblivious. And um, we're sitting there and uh, uh, the restaurant manager comes out to our table and he, he says, um, excuse me, I'm sorry, are you Natalie? And I said, yeah. He said, Natalie Susser, because that was my maiden name at the time. He said, yeah. He goes, oh, this, this came for you. And like, I'm like, what the heck is this? So I look at it and it, it's, it's from Jonah. And I'm like, why did he send me a letter here? Literally, I'm telling you, in my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, he wrote me a letter to apologize for not proposing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so sweet of him. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there and I open it up and it's like, you know, this letter, like, I love you so much. Can't wait to do my life with you, blah, 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 blah. We have these dreams. And like, as I'm reading, like, it's dawning on me, like, this isn't an apology letter. Like, what is going on? And like at the very bottom of it, you know, it's like uh, talking about our dreams together. And the very bottom says, you know, I love you with all my heart. Can't wait to do my life with you. P.S. Dreams do really come true right here and right now. And like I read it and my dad and my sister are like leaning over the table just like staring at me. <laughs> and I like look up at them and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, what does it say? And I'm like, 
I don't know what it says. What's going on? And they're like, they're like, what does it say? And I'm like staring at them, both of them, like, what is going on? And I look up at my little sister and she kind of just gives me this slant eye, like towards the glass doors. And I'm thinking, if he's not, if he's not coming through those doors, I'm jumping over this balcony. I cannot handle this anymore. And like, I look over and like, and like he, Jonah's there and he's like coming through the doors, you know, and he's like, comes in gets down on one knee and it's like, you know, I love you. Will you marry me? And I'm just like freaking out, right? Like crying, freaking out. Um, I know it, and it, and it, and it was awesome. Right. So we're there and like the restaurant manager comes out and he's bringing us all like champagne and we're having this little party and he actually had somebody in the restaurant. I saw later, like taking pictures of the whole thing, um, which is really, really cool. Cause I, uh, in my mind, I always thought I'd want it alone. And, um, my sister and my dad ended up being there just cause that's what happened. And, um, now having lost my dad these years later, it's so beautiful to have these engagement pictures with us all reacting and my dad's there in the moment. And like now every time I look at him, my heart just melts, I'm like, Oh man, God knew what he's doing. This was just this beautiful moment. Um, so yeah, so it was, so it was a really cool engagement story. I love, I love getting to tell it whenever. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you're a working mom, you get yeah. married. Now it was a month before your wedding that your mm-hmm. dad passed away. So let's, this is where things started to kind of go a little bit sideways. Cause you had a very tight knit family. So this is back in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened with your dad? So it, it really was a surprise and, um, it was a surprise and it wasn't a surprise. It's very, it, it's hard. You know, people sometimes expect that if you know someone's dying, that somehow you take it better. Um, which is just, just, just a misconception. Um, my dad had uh, been losing a lot of weight. He looked really skinny. He always liked to run, but he just looked really frail. And, um, he's a really like maniac of a businessman, always working all the time. And, uh, he would fluctuate, right? He'd get really skinny, you know, and he'd look normal. Um, and I wasn't living at home. I didn't see him all the time. And he was very hard to get a hold of. Um, he's a little elusive like that. And I remember being home one morning in Granville and he was in the kitchen, like just getting some food or something. And I looked at him and I just was like, dad, you are so skinny. What's going on with you? Like he was like skin and bones. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, you know, like just like carried on like the conversation. And that was kind of my first time. Like something's not right here. Um, fast forward just a couple of weekends and my dad and I were driving out to uh, a track meet for my sister. And I was telling my dad about um, a service I'd been in at church and um, a pastor had been talking about uh, praying for people and them getting healed. And um, he was just, he, he was more interested than he normally is. You know, like we talk about everything. My family talks about everything. We have a very broad spectrum of beliefs and experiences and we just, we share it all, right? Like we're family and he just seemed even more interested. And I just like felt like in my gut, like something's going on here. And um, we got to the meet and my mom was already there because my mom and dad weren't really weren't really talking at that point. A lot had unraveled at that point. They didn't really have a, they didn't have a good marriage living together, but not really, um, married. You know what I mean? Um, I sat down with my, my mom and I said, what's wrong with dad? And he was down watching my sister run and she looked at me and she said, he has cancer. And, um, I like, it's kind of, you know, like everything's like stand still, right? Like we've heard people say cancer so many times in our lives. But then when somebody says it to you about your dad, um, the world just kind of stops. And I was like, okay, like our dad, like healthy runner, did all the things, you know? And he said, yeah, he has esophageal cancer um, and he hasn't told anybody. He didn't tell my mom. He didn't tell his mom. He didn't tell his siblings. He didn't tell my siblings. Um, he, was, he was keeping it a secret, you know? He, he thought that he was going to beat it and he didn't need to tell anybody, he didn't need anybody's help. Um, but he was sick. And so through just a string of events, you know, I told him that same day, Hey, I know what's going on with you. You you know, you need to tell the kids, you need to tell your mom, you need to tell your siblings. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't me like shaking my finger at him, but just like, dad, we love you. We need to surround you. Um, and you know, through some events he did, he told my entire family and they knew, and that was in May. Um, I got engaged the next month in June, fast forward up to, uh, March of 2012, uh, we were getting married in April. Um, he just become really, really sick. And, um, uh, he called or my mom called me one day said, Hey, your dad is going into 
uh, uh, he's going to the emergency room because having trouble breathing. Um, he called me from work and I told him she just go to the emergency room. And um, I just come home from work. Joe and I are about to go meet our uh, wedding photographer. And she was like, can you please go and be with him? Because their relationship was very strained at this point. She just didn't feel comfortable even being there in that moment. And I said, yeah, of course. So got in the car, canceled our appointment, drove to the hospital. Um, uh, you know, just, just, just believing on the way there, you know, like, this is going to be okay. Like, my dad is going to be okay. I knew he was sick. But never in my wildest dreams did I think, you know, the next 24 hours to hold what they would hold. So I got there, went into the room, saw him, you know, I didn't, I didn't leave the side, right? So my, my grandma came, some of my, my uncles, just different people in my family showed up and just spending time with him. And, you know, they just said he's really weak. He needs some blood transfusions. So they're just treating him in the emergency room. Um, but by the end of that night, they said, hey, we need to admit him. So he gets admitted. Um, my grandma's in the room with him. I'm in the room. My mom, my siblings, Jonah, my brother-in-law came. Um, like I said, my, my family's just grown and we just they'll operate together in this really uh, beautiful way. But my brother-in-law's there. And um, we're just around my dad. And still at this moment, I think he's just, he's sick. I know he's battling cancer. His body's just weak. And um, a doctor came in that did not have the best bedside manner. <laughs> if you're listening and you want to be a doctor or a nurse, get some good bedside manner. You're other people around you or not. Um, but he came in, you know, and he's saying, okay, Mr. Sesser, this is what's going on. And at the end of it, he says, you know, but I do have to tell you, um, we're going to make you comfortable, but, but this is it. And like, it was just like the wind got sucked out of the room. And we're all like looking like, what, it, what, what do you mean it? Like, I don't understand. And, um, you know, he left the room and it was slowly like sinking in that, like, he meant it, it. like, we're going to make you comfortable, but you're, you're dying. My dad's 47. He was not, <laughs> um, my parents had, it was just very, we had a very young family. And, um, so he left the room and of course we're all just kind of stunned by this, except for my dad, you know, he, he's sitting there, um, with a smile on his face, very peaceful. Um, you know, and he's looking at us and, you know, say, well, dad, can we, you know, can we pray? We just gathered around and we just prayed for him. Um, we're praying for my dad. And, uh, it was interesting because, you know, uh, like I said, my siblings are a lot younger than I am. Right. So my brother's, my youngest brother's still in high school. My sister just graduated and, um, my other brother's not much older than that. And, um, it, it was, it was crazy because my dad probably had the most peace of anybody in that room sitting there in the bed. And, um, so we prayed for him and, you know, hugged on him and loved him. And, um, you know, and it was getting late and he said, okay, you know, we're going to go, we'll be back in the morning. Um, and, uh, you know, I went over to his bedside and, uh, you know, just gave him a kiss and, um, and, you know, he looked at me and he said, Natalie, I'm, I'm going to walk you down the aisle. Um, phew. And, uh, and I just looked at him and I said, of course you are. Of course you are. Um, you know, and, and that was it. And we left the room and, uh, Joan and I went to his car and got in it and obviously very emotional time and night. Um, just, uh, you know, just, just, just believing, just, just believing that we're going to pull through this somehow. So fast forward to the next morning, we get to the hospital. My dad's having a procedure to have uh, fluid removed from around his, uh, his heart, just from the chemo, just ravaging his body. Um, they bring him back to the room and uh, they just say, we can't get him stabilized. We need to move him to the ICU. Um, so he moves to the ICU. So we're locked down on, on guests. There's probably like 40 people in the waiting room at this point downstairs, just waiting to hear what's going to happen with my dad. And uh, they go into non-visitation hours. So we're just down there for hours, just talking and praying and sharing stories and just, you know, really believing for the best. And um, my mom goes, my mom gets a call that she needs to, come up. The doctor's ready to talk to her about what's going on. Um, my dad's fully sedated at this point. Um, so we're down there and just a couple minutes later, I get a call from my mom. Um, so I pick up the phone. Everybody's just kind of looking at me and, uh, she just says, bring your siblings up here now. I said, okay. So I get off the phone and, um, grab my siblings. I say, Hey guys, we got to go up there. So they're like, what's going on? Everybody's like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. She just told me to bring up the kids. So we go, we get in the elevator. I remember we're all in the elevator and we just like grabbed hands and looked at each other. We're like, whatever this is, guys, we are going to get through it. And, um, you know, all just scared, right? Like we're saying things that we hope we mean, right? 
Um, we get off the elevator. We're met by the doctor and my mom. Um, and they just say, come with us. It's happening now. And um, we go inside this little ICU room with a curtain around it. And there's my dad. And when I saw him, I'll tell you, I thought he was already gone. It's just like a shell of a person if you've ever seen anybody pass away. And um, they said, no, he's still here. Um, but he's going now. His body's just quitting. And so, like, um, so I remember my two of my siblings pretty much melted down at that point. My sister overwhelmed, understandably, with emotion. Um, so I grab a hold of her and just say, listen, he can still hear us. Let's say bye. And um, just gathered around his bed and uh, we just put our hands on him, you know. And uh, it was really difficult, very hard. I, I don't even know if we all said something, but basically, you know, we love you, Dad. Um, we're going to be okay. We're going to be sad, but we're going to be okay. It's okay to go. And um, uh, yeah, and so just in that moment, the doctor came in after that and and uh, said, guys, he's gone. And, uh, and, and it was hard, you know, so all the things you can imagine of just, uh, uh, just a grieving family. Um, and, uh, just feeling like, you know, being the oldest, being the one that, you know, had this walk of faith, you know, um, being the one saying, come on guys, like, let's believe dad's going to get better. You know, it just, it felt like everything was sucked out of me in that moment. You know, this thing I was just believing for just kind of taken away from me, you know? And, and you're the really oldest have, yeah. too. So yeah. you are kind of, like you said, the second parent. So I know I'm the oldest yeah. of two and yeah, you take everyone else's, you shoulder everybody else's suffering. Yeah. Because that's kind of your job as the oldest. And so I can totally. imagine, I mean, you know, you, you need to do your own grieving too. And right. your wedding's a month later. Yeah. So, yeah. So our wedding's a month later and, um, yeah. And, you know, so that month was hard and, and it was, um, but it, but it, but it was good. Right. You know, I remember going home that night and, um, getting ready just to like, you know, be praying for my siblings and up all night. And I just really, just, just really felt just the peace of the Lord say, no, it's okay. Go to sleep, you know? And, uh, I really just had peace settled over me for that month. That was a hard month. Thank God I had Jonah he really took over all the wedding planning, all the last minute things that had to be done. He did them all because I really couldn't function, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I was doing good just to be doing, right? Yeah. Um, so um, he's handling all the last minute arrangements. And um, yeah, my wedding gets there. And, uh, you know, I asked my mom, obviously, in the days following, um, you know, will you walk me down the aisle? And, you know, of course, she's like, hey, of course, I'm going to walk you down the aisle. And my oldest little brother um, said, I want to help too. Can I help too? And I said, yeah, of course you can. So um, they both walked me down the aisle. And, and it was an amazing, and it, was a, it really was an amazing day. You know, some people do like tables and, uh, and empty chairs and candles and things like that for people who have passed away. And those are all really beautiful things. But um, uh, the absence of my dad was so fresh that <laughs> we didn't really need a table or a candle or a chair. Um, you know, we just, we needed to get, make it through the day. Um, and, uh, and we did, and, and it really was beautiful. You know, um, I, I was really able to enjoy the day. My family was really able to enjoy the day in a way that I wasn't really sure we would be able to. Um, but it was just amazing, the peace I had. And I remember the one moment where uh, I got, I almost fell apart, but I didn't. Um, just right before all the bridesmaids had left the room, my planner came in or the girl who's organizing it and said, okay, girls, time to go. You know, and they're all going out of the room. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, they're going to go. I'll go in a minute. And she's like, no, 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 Natalie, you too. And she like looks at me and all the girls are in the hallway and my mom's standing in the door. And like, I'm just standing there and immediately I'm frozen. Like, oh, like I'm going to do this and he's not going to be here. And I just remember locking eyes with my mom, you know, and she just looked at me and said, it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, I just like took a deep breath in that moment and, um, and left the room, but it was, it was a beautiful wedding. And, <laughs> um, the, our, my pastor who I was very, very close with, um, he did my father daughter dance for me. I mean, I'd known him since I was six, you know, it was like a second father. Um, he did the father daughter dance with me and, uh, it really ended up being a really beautiful 
uh, beautiful ceremony in a way that you just, it, it's surprising. It, it's just amazing what, what's, what's possible. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of that, that story. And then fast forwarding two years from your wedding and your dad's death, your first daughter was born three years ago. Yeah. So um, I love that you said like, it's such cool redemption and it is, it's, I mean, we all know that there's a surety that every one of us is going to pass away. Yeah. And still though, I mean, when I lost my adopted dad, it was my selfishness to want to keep him here. He was very sick, you know, and, yeah. but you know, we don't want them to go. We want them no. here with us. Even if Absolutely. you have faith in where they're going, you still want to keep them here, but you're right about your daughter being born. And, um, you know, how nice that they passed, their paths crossed, you know? <laughs> yeah. <gasps> I yeah, love that. A really cool way. Yeah. So she, yeah. So she was born, um, March 3rd and he passed March 7th. So it was the same week, a couple years later that he passed that she was born. And it was, it was just such a good thing for my, me and my family to look at and say, you know what? Like there's just such redemption in, even in death you know, and her birth was just such a beautiful thing to have during that time to celebrate. So, yeah. So now you're recovering from your dad and you're recovering from having a baby, even though it was, I love that the birth was great and the memories, you know, and having it on your dad's anniversary and all that. But tell me about what happened after that. Cause this, this is the next thing I really want to dive into. Um, I've seen your pictures. I mean, we all look at someone else's story, right? You've gone through something I haven't gone through. And I think, wow, how did you get through that? And, and I can't imagine. So tell me what happens. You're, it's, you're a month postpartum. So anyone who's had a baby remembers a month postpartum. What brought you into the doctor? Yeah. So, and this was, and it was a buildup. So I was a month postpartum after my second daughter, but oh, you have second. to know. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. A year but, later. But my, yeah. My second daughter was born you know, 18 months after my first one. So right. <laughs> yeah, barely. Yeah. Not, pr I was not pregnant for like nine months and then I was pregnant again. And so I was having just some really, uh, strange symptoms. Uh, but you know, when you're pregnant, they tell you everything's normal, right? Like, and you're going numb. It really is. And it's crazy. Yeah. Have you seen um, the list of possible side effects? Like they're everything. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Weird hair. It's normal. Yeah. Your numbness. It's normal. You know, like I can't see. It's normal. normal. Just don't, don't worry about it. It's on the side effects. It's a small thing. <laughs> okay. All kidding aside, you're having some yeah. odd stuff happen. Yeah. I'm just getting really, really dizzy and, um, and things like that happened when I got pregnant with my daughter. So it wasn't like really that abnormal, but I was really dizzy and um, I started to go numb in different places and my tongue was going numb. Um, and the doctor said, you know, you're really close to delivering because this was right before she was born. Let's see if it doesn't go away. Um, but then, um, yeah, so, but, but then before my second daughter was born, my symptoms to that point had not gone away. Um, uh, but then my part of my face started to go numb. And once part of my face started to go numb, I was like, okay, I, I've got to figure this out. So yeah, I was a month postpartum and I told myself, uh, my symptoms don't go away after she's born, I'm going in, I'm going to get an MRI. So a month later, I'm still nursing. Um, I get called in uh, to have an MRI. I go and have an MRI and I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll just, you know, figure out whatever, whatever's going on. We'll be able to deal with it. And that was, um, a Thursday. So then on the Friday morning, um, maybe Friday mid afternoon uh, or mid morning, uh, I call my doctor's office, you know, say, did my doctor see it? You know, can you tell me anything? And they said, well, your doctor's out of the office. She's out sick. Um, so as soon as she gets back in though, she'll, she'll read it and call you. So I said, okay. So I kid you not, like 20 minutes later, I get another call and it's an unavailable number and I pick it up and it's my doctor. And I'm like, it's never good when your doctor calls off duty and sick. So to give you your results of your MRI. So my heart kind of sank a little bit. And so I just picked it up and she said, okay, um, let me just start off by telling you what this is not. <laughs> okay. Not, yeah. Right. Okay. okay. That's not necessarily good, but okay. Right. Right. I'm like, okay. 
um, said, okay, well, it's not MS, which is what they were originally testing for. They thought dizziness, um, numbness. They thought she was really thinking maybe MS symptoms. It's not MS. And I thought, oh, okay, that's good. And it's not cancer. And I'm like, okay, I didn't even know that was on the table. So, okay, I'm glad it's off. Um, but she said that you do have a tumor. You have a tumor in your head and it's about the size of a ping pong ball. It's called an acoustic neuroma. It's wrapped around your facial nerve, your balance nerve, and your hearing nerve. Um, and you're, you're going to have to get it removed. And I said, okay. And she probably told me the worst possible thing you could do, which is go, you know, you can go look it up. <laughs> oh, no, no. You yeah. are banned from WebMD. Oh, yes. No, oh, I, I am now. You're not allowed. <laughs> yeah. I tell everyone that. Ban yourself from WebMD. Yes. You're always dying. You're oh always dying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm either, I either have PMS or cancer or, yeah, I mean. Or you're pregnant. I, I, yeah. Actually, my daughter, every time she looks it up, I'm pregnant or I have cancer. One of the yeah. other. It's interesting. One of the two. Those two hand in hand. <laughs> okay. There's no middle ground. No middle ground. None. <laughs> so yeah, so that so that happens, and obviously my husband and I are very taken back by it. Um, uh, thankfully, she just referred me right away to an ENT that I was able to see the very next week, which was a miracle. Um, gotten if you've ever you know how to go to a specialist, they take forever. Um, I got right in. Um, he looked at the MRI, said, "Yeah, uh, there. Some people can treat this with radiation." Um, we would be radiating too big of a spot. Like we have to take this out. It's pressing into your brainstem now. Um, so if you don't take it out now, it's going to end up being an emergency situation. Um, so obviously he will, he referred me also to a neurosurgeon. He said, let's see the neurosurgeon getting a second opinion. So I did. It's the same opinion. Um, so I said, uh, basically we're like, okay. Um, so 30 months later I had, I, I had, or I had a date set 30 months, 30 days later to uh, get it removed. So that was in uh, se September. I got the, the MRI. October, I saw the doctor. And so I had a, uh, an appointment for November 30th was, was to get, get my tumor removed. Um, and they had this gone over- 2013? Yeah. This is 2015, because I'd had 15? my daughter. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Because I, I, I had my daughter, Isla was in 2014. I had Maylee September of 2015. Okay. And so October had the MRI and then I have, or yeah, I had MRI in October and I had a, a surgery date for November 30th. So this was all just like back to back to back. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so they, you know, we went over the possible side effects and it when like when you've never had a surgery, I did, I did have two C-sections, but when you've never had a surgery, you're not really like like you just can't even believe you're about to have brain surgery, let alone side effects. You know what I mean? Like you're not really, you're, you're concerned about it, but you're really just thinking like, Oh my, like I'm going to have brain surgery. Like, um, so whenever the side effects and, you know, and I heard them and they did tell them all to me and I just was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's just get this thing out and move on. I really just wanted to move on. Um, so it's just been eight hour surgery. Um, I obviously get, you know, get put to sleep. Um, I wake up, um, as I'm waking up, I'm like, I see like a clock really blurry in front of me. And as it's coming into focus, oh, sorry, sorry, my surgery started at seven in the morning and I, it's coming into focus and it says nine 30. And so I'm like, Oh, either something didn't take or this lasted a lot longer than they thought. Um, so yeah, so it ended up being, or maybe it wasn't 9.30. I don't know. All I know is that I woke up in the ICU and I turned into a, I turned into a 14 hour surgery. So 9.30 can't be right, but wow. it turned into a 14 hour surgery because the tumor was just attached to so much. They had to go really slow to pull it all off everything, all my nerves and my brainstem. Um, they did tell me that I wouldn't be able to hear out of my right ear anymore because I would have to cut through my, my hearing nerve. Um, and I, I, and I do not have any hearing in my right ears of today. Um, and they had to cut through my balance nerve. So all my balance was gone on the right side of my body. Um, the uh, one effect they told me that they were doing everything to avoid was facial paralysis. Um, and I'm not really sure when it was when I woke up because I was pretty, I was kind of panicked. Jonah was right there looking at me and said, you had a 14 hour surgery. It's okay. You're an ICU. 
I had, I was intubated. So like, there's just like a lot going on. I was kind of freaking out. Um, but once that came out, I don't remember exactly when it was, um, that I figured it out, but I had experienced complete facial paralysis on my right side. I couldn't, I couldn't close my eye. I couldn't swallow. Um, I couldn't talk above a whisper. My vocal cords were even, were, were paralyzed that side too. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so there I was, I uh, couldn't hear, uh, no balance, um, and completely paralyzed on the right side of my face. And even though they tell you like, this is possible, but we're going to try to avoid it. It's not like there was a plan B. You had yeah. to have the surgery anyway. So, I mean, what stinks about that is that <laughs> it doesn't matter what the list was of potential yeah. side effects. There was absolutely no choice. This was the better plan. Yeah. The only I mean, plan. So. Yeah. yeah. It had to come out. Once it's pressing into your brainstem, there, there's really no other option. So yeah. And that was the thing. It was like, they're going to, you know, there are chances for things to happen, but it's that, or we're going to have to, in an emergency situation, rip it out of your head, you know? So yeah, that's so, what yeah, I was faced okay. with. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play, pick that plan. Yeah. Let's do the one I can actually plan for. <laughs> for the surgery, you kind of had the worst case scenario outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Of side yes. effects. And so it, it didn't affect the right side of your body. It was strictly in your face. Not that that's a good thing, but I just mm-hmm. want to clarify, correct? Yes. Just my okay. face was paralyzed. Yep. Okay. Now I've seen your pictures and you're just, you're not even two and a half years. You're just oh, barely two years out. So that because I yeah. didn't have an, an entire timeline. I am so thankful that you were willing to put the pictures on because I know you've talked about, and even in your book, which um, I've read over half of, um, <laughs> you talk about that a lot. I mean, the way we look at ourselves is not the way other people look at us. And there was a point in the book that you said, your husband made a point. Well, instead of trying to hide behind it, why don't it kind of like get in front of it, you know, why not be proud of where you're at and your progression is amazing, but you had to show the worst part of it to show the best part of it, you know, and geez, it's amazing, Natalie. So how, when you're faced with that paralysis, how do you get it back? How, How did, how did that happen? Yeah. So that's the, that's the rough part, you know, um, they don't give a prognosis, Um, so they say it might come back and it might never come back and they can't tell you. Um, and they don't want you to do anything for like a year. Doctors don't want you to do anything for a year. They want you just to allow your body to heal itself over time, which is like a death sentence for people. (laughs) Like, you know, like it's your face. Um, I can't even look at myself in the mirror and I can't do anything about it. That's the thing, right? Like we always want to do something about something. Right. And they're literally telling me, you can't. You just have to wait it out at least for a year. And um, so it was very hard. I had to, um, I had to wait. I had to be so, so patient, so patient with myself, with my body, with my emotions, you know, being, you know, you're, you're a wife, right? Like you want to be attractive to your husband. Um, I couldn't close my eyes. So at night I had to tape it closed and wear like what looks like a pirate patch basically, you know? So just going morning after morning, sitting up, no movement, having to like untape my face, you know, like, um, just all the thoughts you could think, right? Like my husband should just leave me. Like he didn't sign up for this. Like my daughter's going to be so ashamed of me. Like I, I look like Quasimodo. (laughs) That's what I felt like. And they, um, you know, I'm going to be a disappointment. I'm I'm a disappointment. And so really for a year, I'm telling you the body was one thing, but it was my mind. I really had to contend with for a year. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. That was, that's where the battle raged for sure. And I think that's pretty normal, but you're right. I mean, it's not like you can cover it up with a t-shirt. Or, yeah. Yeah. And know, I told my like, husband that, yeah. I said, you know, some, yeah. And I told my husband the other day, I said, you know, some people get the chance or the opportunity or whatever you want to call it may not the opportunity, but they get the um, advantage of hiding their insecurities. You can put a t-shirt on, put a sweatshirt on, you know, like whatever it is. Um, uh, I can't, 
it's, it's, I, I literally can't right on the front of my face. <laughs> I love the picture of you in the Ariel t-shirt for your, your Isla's third birthday. And you said, I've learned yes. how to position the camera to make my eyelid disappear. So it didn't look yes. like it was. And I'm like, you know, but that's who we are. And I mean, it, it's, it, I totally relate to that. I would, I think most of us would feel the same way. Although yeah. if it were your husband that it happened to, you wouldn't give it a second thought. Not at all. You would, and that's what care. he would say. I yeah, know. he's like, "If this were me, what would you do?" And Nothing. I'm like, "I wouldn't care," you know. And he's like, "I don't care either. I just want you well." Um, yeah. So yeah. So would no movement for eight months, solid. And then when I did get movement, I watch the videos now, and like I can't even see the movement, but I knew it was there. Um, so yeah, just I did some uh, electro uh, acupuncture, which I would recommend. If you um, want to do that, I kind of wish I would have done that earlier in the process. Um, so, you know, do acupuncture near my face and they would attach it to like a little, like almost like a little car battery. Um, I did that for a little while. Um, I did some uh, electrostimulation therapy at like an outpatient center um, where they attached like elect uh, like pads to my face and like they would electric, you know, send, send waves through them just to keep the, so the you nerves were agitated. Yeah. Oh yeah. Twice a week. <laughs> Twice a week. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're going to do it, you have to have fun with that. You got to go all the way. I'm go get jump started now. <laughs> <laughs> I did post a picture one day of me with the pads on my face and yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, if you can't laugh, you're going to cry and you're going to die. You know, I you know just, for a while yeah. you didn't laugh and it was really, no. really difficult because of, because you, it is the battle in your mind. Nobody oh. cares. I think yeah. you're brave and courageous and beautiful. So, you. you know, that's how I see you because I've read your journey and I think, wow, how amazing and how far you've come. And, but you're living in it in a different way. And I haven't lived with no facial movement for eight months and taping my eyes shut and wanting yeah. to feel beautiful for my husband. Yeah. So through this though, you, I know one of your jumpstart partners, you got really close to. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the people that was doing the electro, I mean, yes. so there's beautiful things in the process and I, that's what your book is about. Your book is yeah. about kind of your struggle, but the beautiful thing that came from the struggle and Absolutely. whether you believe in God and you have a strong faith or not, it's still about that inner fire, Absolutely. right? That's what your faith is, is that inner fire. And so tell me about that. And then you started your blog. So how did all that, I know your husband was totally your hero and yes. took over and jumped in and that relationship is very strong. Yes. But what did you do for you? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good question. Um, uh, so, you know, like you were saying for a long part of it was just really like, just, just very hard and just very, uh, moment by moment. And I remember coming downstairs one morning, um, you know, in the kitchen with my husband, um, you know, just crying, did lots, lots of crying, which is totally fair. I only cry out of one side of my face. My right side can't tear, which is extremely frustrating if you ever want to have a really good cry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my makeup always stays perfectly on one side of my face. So. I mean, that's the benefit. See the struggle and the benefit. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm crying and, um, and he's just being great just to hold me. And, uh, try to be as supportive as he possibly can. And, you know, and he, he walked away and I just was in a moment of frustration was like, what the heck am I supposed to do? And I just, I, I really just felt just this internal voice that just said, write. And mm. I've always enjoyed writing, you know, it's something that is, it's therapeutic for me. I like doing it. Um, so I did, you know, Cause like, I wasn't really seeing anybody. I didn't really want to be seen by anybody. You know, it was a very, very weird, just bad place. And, um, so I thought I can write, no one has to see me to write. Um, and so I just started detailing my journey, my doctor's appointments. Um, we probably won't go into all of it, but you know, I ended up having four different surgeries for the process, just the rise and the fall of just walking through this journey of my head healing infections going away. Um, my body reacting to materials they put in me. And um, so it really just became this outlet where I could just write what I was feeling, what I was thinking, the appointments I was having, what was or wasn't happening. Um, 
and, uh, and, and at first they were just like Facebook posts, you know, I just like would do a Facebook post and just to let people know, I I just like kind of assume the position of as honest as I can be is the only person that I can be. Um, because if I say something flowery, you know, on social media, and then you come to my house, <laughs> you're going to know, <laughs> you're going to know that I kind of lying to you. Um, so I just, it was just, just to get the honesty out of it. It was a real transitional time for us with a lot of things in our life. And so I just kind of had to live in the moment I was in and, um, you know, just started writing and posting and then eventually put it onto a blog and, um, it was, and it was really awesome, you know, cause people really took to it. The people that wanted to know how I was doing and, um, and, uh, and it was great cause it also became a resource where other people, even though I was still very much in the midst of it, other people could reach out and say, Hey, I'm dealing with something really similar, or I'm just dealing with something, something hard, not even similar. And, and it was a nice way to be able to kind of like extend my arm, you know, and say, well, I don't know where I'm going, but come along with me, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to do this thing, you know? Um, but yeah, so the, the blog and, um, which eventually led to, um, which eventually led to me writing my book. So I do want to go back and touch on, so from like November of 2015 till the beginning of 2017. So yeah. not like just over a year, you had three more surgeries, correct? Yeah. That, yeah. So why, what were the surgeries yeah. for? So, um, obviously the original was to remove the tumor. Um, that was in November, January, my incision opened up and I was leaking spinal fluid out of my incision. Spinal fluids are the devil. They are the absolute worst. They are almost impossible for doctors to figure out how to stop it. And I mean, if a doctor heard that, he probably, they'd probably say like, she's lying. That's not true, but they can be tricky. They can be very tricky. Um, and, uh, so they just went, they, I got meningitis as a result. I was sick and up in the hospital. Um, they eventually decided we're going to go in, we're going to patch her up. So they did, but they put, um, and they, and they patched me with just like some mesh and some different, um, con- just different elements and, uh, went home, was healing, you know, best I could up through the next fall. So I'd gone back to work. Um, and that it was in, uh, just through the next fall. I realized I was getting like a, almost like a pimple and it was really weird and it like would pop, but then it would like grow back, which I know is really disgusting, but it would just like keep growing back. And so I went to my ENT cause I was like, Hey, this is weird. Looking at it, looking at it, um, week by week. Right. Cause it wasn't going away. It's like, let's just keep seeing you. Let me just keep looking at this. Um, a few weeks went by and, uh, they realized I, I was having an allergic react reaction to the the, the, um, to the elements that were in my head. And, uh, I, I, the only way out of it was another surgery to get, to take it all out. Um, so that was November of, uh, yeah, 2016. And uh, I really thought that would be it. I thought three surgeries, certainly three surgeries is enough. Um, and so I, I went in and had that surgery and came home uh, healed for a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, my incision started weeping again. It wasn't like the clear fluid. Yeah. But it was like infection. And, um, so right back to the doctor we went, I mean, as you can imagine, I'm like pretty worn out, right? Like my face isn't moving. My head won't close. Like I, I was, you know, it, it was, it was a rough place. Um, and you still, you have like a two year old and a one year old. Oh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that little (laughs) side note. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you, you're going back to work all the time. Yeah. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Um, and thankfully for my job, man, they, they would let me work from home. They would let, you know, like they were just really, really flexible. So just thankfully, oh my gosh. Um, they were really understanding. Um, but yeah, so they tried to treat the infection. I ended up with a pick line in my arm before the night before Thanksgiving of 2016, which was a terrible experience for me. Um, tried to treat it with IV antibiotics, um, and it, it, it dried up for a little bit. But then, as soon as they took the pick line out, it started again. Um, so finally, my doctor saw me in December and was like, "You know what? I'm referring you to a different kind of surgeon." I, you know, he was a very, very sweet man. It was just like, we need to get you well. And like, what I'm doing is not getting you well. Right. Um, thankfully, I'm good so for glad him. that he did. Good yeah. for him. I mean, we're, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all human. Good. Yeah. So- yeah. So you were, you were referring me to a really great, uh, another really great surgeon. 
who took one look at me and was like, listen, you're, the infection isn't going away. They can pump you with all the antibiotics in the world, but you're not getting blood flow. I wasn't like my veins were just too small. I wasn't getting blood flow to the incision area to really allow it to heal. Um, so he said, look, I'm going to shave a lot of your hair off, but I'm going to fix you. <laughs> and I'm like thinking, man, you better fix me if you're shaving my hair. Like, it's <laughs> funny, like after all of that, right? Like after right. my face not moving and all the things, I'm like, my hair too? Like, come on. <laughs> like, leave me with some kind of dignity. Um, so I just told him, if you can fix me, then fix me. And um, he did. They shaved a lot of my head because he like pulled a muscle down and veins. I mean, the things medicine can do is just amazing. Um, did it all. I stayed in the hospital another five days and, um, uh, yeah, I came home last January and, uh, yes, have been healing ever since I've had no issues with my head. Thank the Lord. Um, and I'm really just starting to really get myself back. I dealt with a lot of dizziness from having an infection for so long and just like brain injury, you know, it's not all just paralysis. Um, yeah dizziness and fatigue and just a lot of different things. Your body really takes a very, very long time to heal from something like this. And I'm still in the middle of being patient with it, doing some different physical therapies. Um, you know, your balance is gone. You know, you like, there's a lot of compensation that has to happen, but, um, as far as my head, that was it. So okay, <laughs> forever so and ever. <laughs> yay. So four <laughs> surgeries in like just over a year, but you're a year out and yeah. So in the meantime, you're writing, the book came out in December and, mm -hmm. um, that was kind of a compilation of journal writing, sort of, that's kind of how it started, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a little more than that. I don't want to minimize it by saying that, but I know it started with journaling the stuff that was hard and then kind of the successes in the midst of the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, and your the the people that got you through and that you met and then the blog tell me about that because it shares your journey but what else are you sharing on there because there's pictures i haven't gotten a chance to read everything on I'm it sure. but i skimmed through all of it there's pictures of other people so are you telling their story yeah, yeah. so yeah so you know the whole premise of the book like you said um it was just really just an expression of real of like that time that i walked through and i still i'm still am walking through it where, you know, just realizing that like, um, I have a problem with seeing myself as beautiful and just this journey that, um, like you said, I know you've got a really vast, uh, type of audience, but for me, it was really the, the Lord showing me that, you know, it's the, um, it's the moments of your life that make you beautiful and not the reflection in the mirror. And, um, the process and the journey of me learning that. And so I did, I started detailing and, um, through this, through this book, uh, just those different encounters and moments that I would have of being led through that process of finding beauty. Um, and so I was writing that book and I was thinking like, what is like, um, I want to do more, you know, like, uh, one of the things when you feel like you lose your beauty is that you very quickly realize how beautiful the people around you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we struggle with that anyways, you know, like, Oh, everybody else is so pretty. Um, but you really just realize the gold. You just see it in people a lot more easy because you, you know, like you've kind of discarded your own beauty in a way you're like, well, whatever, but you really see it around you. And so in writing this book, um, I had the idea that I wanted to get other women to share their stories. And so it was called 30 days to beautifully you. So it was like the 30 days leading up to my book, beautifully you coming out. And so these were different women that I knew. Some of them I knew personally and some of them I didn't. They're just stories that I followed that had these amazing stories that I knew people needed to hear, like people needed to hear so they could grab onto. Um, and so I asked all these ladies, you know, to share these stories with me and allow me to share them um, with people. And, and it was awesome, man. Like I'm telling you, like I have people just come out of the woodworks each time I'd post one of these stories, you know, that would contact me, call me, email me, message me, you know, see me face to face and just say, I, that, that person was me. That story was me. And it was just this very beautiful thing of like, see like what the darkest of time, what the, the beautiful thing that it can produce, you know, and bringing somebody else into that experience to say, and if you're going through it, guess what? there's beauty in it for you too. Um, and it was really powerful. I, I loved it. I'm thinking about doing, um, another one sometime this year. Yeah, I loved it. I love it too. Even though I didn't get a chance to read everything. Um, 
it's pretty astounding. And I think that's part of my podcast. Okay, so you tell your story, which is different than my story, different than someone else's story. But then the people that hear it don't have to feel so alone. Yeah. And yeah. it's empowering to know that, okay, you as a woman got through this. Well, I can get through this then. Yes. And I can use those same skills. And that's why I, you're doing the same thing basically with your blog. You're interviewing people who are empowering and who have gone through a lot so that we all don't feel alone because we really have this desperate desire to connect. Yes. Yes. So I love it. I, you should do another one (laughs) because it feels nice to not feel alone and ugly in your struggle, whatever it is. Yeah. So and I love, yeah. I love your website, natalieepps.com to look it up. And I'm going to put the link. I, I mean, I'm so proud of you for posting pictures that you didn't want to post. That's hard for us to do. We'll take yeah. 50 selfies to get the one that looks the best. <laughs> right. Like, all of us do it. I'm, not, I'm like, Ooh, that is bad. You know, yeah. and you posted the angles that were bad and that's a really yeah. hard thing to do. And yeah. so I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And there's a time where I really didn't want to. And kind of just that feeling of, you know what, kind of need to. And, and I'm glad for me that I did because there's lots of moments still, because there are parts of my face that really are, are not healed yet. And, you know, and there are days where I'll just sit, even this morning, I just sat and scrolled through them, like remind yourself, you know, like you have come from somewhere. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we forget that. It's like, if I haven't seen you in a couple of years and I look at your kids and I'm like, holy cow, what <laughs> happened to your kids? Well, you see them every day. So you don't, you know, every time you yeah. run into somebody you haven't seen in a long time, you're always overwhelmed at whatever the changes are, but we don't tend to look at those in ourselves because you're so with yourself every single day. Yeah. So it's good that you've documented that. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, I, I, you know, it just really, it's, it's awesome to get to share this with you and whoever else is listening because it's, um, it is really therapeutic to get to, to share your story. And you even brought things up in me that I hadn't talked about in a long time. So just thank you for giving this, this chance to other women. Well, then I did a good job. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so did you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.